Good evening. It's good to uh, good to be here with you all and in the Lord's house and open His Word and and look at it together. Um, I appreciate uh, appreciate Josh uh, giving me the opportunity to speak. Uh, I wish it were under different circumstances. Obviously, I wish he was was well and was here with us and was able to uh, to lead us in the in the beginning of this study on fruits of the Spirit himself this evening. Uh, but uh, we will uh, we will open God's word and study together and, and continue to pray for him and, and uh, pray for his family as he as he heals up hopefully uh, extremely quickly because uh, as I know sometimes when when I have been sick at home uh, the home just doesn't run as well uh, when there's one person trying to coordinate everything for all of the kids in the house so be in prayer for Val as well as I'm sure uh, it puts a little extra burden, and by little I'm being a little sarcastic. Uh, it puts a lot extra burden on her, so uh, just be, be in prayer for them. So if you would, uh, open, your, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, uh, and we'll be looking at verses 22 and 23. Uh, there will be a lot of scripture referencing uh, tonight. I'm, I'm not going to expect you to turn to all of them. I'll make sure that uh, I, I call out uh, ones that we're going to spend a little more time on. Uh, but I, I do want to make sure that I'm giving you uh, notations as, uh, as I'm, I'm quoting uh, from, from Scripture. So Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23. And, and before we read, I, I do want to uh, tell you that this is going to be the beginning of a sermon series that we're going to be doing on the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, this sermon series will allow you not only to take a deeper dive on each one of the fruits of the Spirit, but will also be able to um, be delivered by different people. We will have different people that will be speaking on each one of the uh, different fruits of the Spirit. So that series will be running on Sunday nights and will, uh, I believe, be ending on May the 15th. So it'll take us a little while to get through that with the community groups and, and, uh, and, and as the breaks that we'll have for community groups. But I believe May 15th is the targeted end date for that. So let's read uh, in God's Word, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as we begin to, to talk tonight about fruits of the Spirit, we have the fruits of the Spirit that are listed for us here uh, in Scripture. Uh, we had a lesson that we did uh, in uh, Sunday school time with the little kids today, which we actually used this little fruit basket that's behind me, and we, we sang a song, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut, right? So we, we're talking about, we're not talking about physical fruit necessarily, we are, we're talking about fruit as in behaviors or virtues that are, that are coming out. Uh, of the fruit. But as we, we, we talk about the fruit, we need to understand, first of all, first and foremost, that this fruit is of the Spirit. This is not spirit that manifests itself because Matt's a good guy. It's not because Jake is a good guy or Curtis is a good guy. It, it, it is a fruit of the Spirit. And it can only be truly manifested if it's given through the Spirit. And I think it's important for us to recognize that up front is that good works or good things are possible to be done by people. I'm sure you guys have seen someone on the side of the road maybe having car trouble. Maybe you've pulled over to help them or you've seen someone else pulling over to help them. We have something called a Good Samaritan Law. We have the account of Good Samaritan in the Bible, which is where we get the name for that law. But people pulling over doing something nice. Now, they may or may not be a Christian, uh, they may not be a believer in Christ, but they may be able to manifest 
uh, what we consider to be a good work. But genuine good works that flow through the Spirit are the works uh, that we're going to be, be talking about. And if we think about our human nature many times, good works are contrary to what our human nature might have us to do. Uh, if, you, if you look back a li- just a little bit in Galatians, you have Galatians 5.17 uh, that is going through uh, the sinful nature and the desires that are contrary to the Spirit. And there's a list of things that are actually given that are acts of the sinful nature that are contrary to what the Spirit would have us do, but they're natural for our flesh to do. Things like idolatry, hatred, debauchery, immorality, impurity, those things are natural for us. But they're not if we are of the Spirit, if we have the Spirit in us. So the Spirit and the flesh are against each other, they're contrary, they're, they're completely opposed to each other, and many times our flesh keeps us from doing what the Spirit would have us do, and we call that sin, right? When we do something that we know we shouldn't do, but we go ahead and do it anyway because it's satisfying some, some uh, desire that we have from within us. So I want us to take a look, if you'll flip to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 18, and we'll see where this this entire idea of the fruit comes from. It's not something that originated with Paul. Paul is actually uh, expanding upon something that that Christ uh, had revealed and is recorded in John chapter 15. So we'll look at John uh, chapter 15, verses uh, 1 through 8, and we're going to look closely at verse 4. So Scripture reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I remain in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If, you're, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, uh, whatever you ask or whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if we look at, looking at verse 4 in particular... Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So as we look at the the fruits of the Spirit and we begin to, to, to discuss this in the coming weeks, we need to realize there is no way for us to bear authentic fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. We have to remain in Christ, uh, in His Word, uh, in prayer, in hearing his word preached and taught, we have to remain in him if we are to bear fruit. Because without him, we are disconnected. Just like it says, the branches that are dry and withered up and are good for nothing to be tossed into the fire. Secondly, God desires that we bear much fruit. You might say, well, I will be happy if I just get one of those fruits, right? 
Just give me kindness. I'll just take kindness, okay? If I can just be kind today, that would be awesome, right? Well, that's not exactly the, the, the idea that's being given here. We should desire all of the fruits. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we get into talking about love. But it should not be our desire to, to just have one aspect or maybe two, be ambitious and have two. We, we, we should desire all of them because our God desires that we should bear much fruit. Not a little bit, much fruit. And if you look at verse 2, it, it says that. It says that he is going to cut off the branches that bear no fruit and every branch that bears fruit will be pruned. I don't know about you guys, but pruning doesn't sound like a happy process. If you've ever seen how uh, plants are pruned, if you've got a branch that's particularly uh, unhealthy and it's not bearing fruit, normally that gets the pruning shears and it gets lopped off and pitched to the side, while the rest of the plant that is healthy is allowed to grow fuller because it's not supporting that branch that's not bearing any fruit. So when life sometimes prunes us, that's God potentially pruning us, removing a friendship, removing a relationship, removing us from where we're comfortable and putting us into a completely uncomfortable place because God hasn't designed for you to bear much fruit. And in order for him to do that, he has to continually prune us, make us better people, um, make us better followers of Christ. Thirdly, our fruitfulness glorifies God. So see, there's kind of a circle going on here. God wants us to bear fruit, and he wants us to bear much fruit. And in order to bear much fruit, he prunes us. And as we begin to bear much fruit, it gives glory to God. So it's all going back to God. At no point in time does it stop and it say, oh, we're just going to glorify Matt because Matt's done this good thing or he's a really nice guy. That's worthless. That's, that's for the fire. But if the glory comes back to God and God receives the glory, God will continue to bless and will continue to increase the fruitfulness. And that fruitfulness continues to glorify God. So good fruit is, is what we should be seeking. And as we're seeking it, we should be seeking it with in mind that we don't receive the glory. I think many times that's the most difficult thing for me is that I want to do something nice. I want to do something good. I want to do the right thing, but I'm seeking it with the wrong motives. I'm not seeking it so that God receives the glory. I'm seeking it so that I might get some little small pat on the back. That's not what God has in mind. It's all for God's glory. Recognition is fine. And I'm not trying to down any recognition when someone does something good, but if their motive is 100% for that pat on the back, they're doing it for the wrong reason. We should be seeking it so that God be glorified, and if you happen to get recognized, that's just a grace and a glory from God. Um, we need to be careful uh, also that as we, we work alongside of each other, that we're not judgmental. We mentioned, I just mentioned about what are their motives. We don't know exactly what's in someone's heart. But as Jake mentioned this morning about false teaching and things like that, in Colossians, Colossians also warns us, and as we're warned in Matthew uh, chapter 7 as well, there will be people who have wrong motives. And they do come as false prophets, and they seek to be recognized for the things that they're doing. All that we can do is inspect the fruit. Now, I've got this little fruit basket, which has fruit in it. I love object lessons with kids. They're great. You guys are obviously not kids. But you look in this, there's fruit in this basket. 
From where you're sitting, can you tell which fruit is fake and which is real? No, you can't. And why is that? Because you're observing from a distance. But what happens when I hand, uh, I hand you this basket and you're able to actually pick up and examine the fruit? You will recognize that the fruit is not real. It's not authentic fruit. And why? Because you're able to see by the fruit that's being produced that it's not real. The same is true when we have teachers or those who might come in to try to uh, disrupt or to spread false teaching. We can inspect their fruit. Scripture tells us that no good fruit comes from a bad plant, and no uh, bad fruit comes from a good plant. So we should be known by our fruit. And the only way to know that fruit is for us to do some fruit inspection. I wanted to be careful there telling you to inspect fruit on each other, but anyhow. So, uh, so the, fruits, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, as we will continue to, to see uh, as, we, uh, as we move through this series, are continuously tied together by love. Love is the key that binds all of them together. When we think about kindness, how do we have kindness without love? How do we have gentleness without love? Each one, as we look at them, you will see that there is an element of love that runs through, a thread of love that runs through each one, that ties them together. And as we uh, continue over the, the, the next series of weeks, you, you will see that, that love, it's, a, it's impossible for us to talk about the other fruits of the Spirit without us spending some time uh, focusing and showing how love uh, holds them together. So uh, I'm going to be shifting now a little bit as we're going to talk specifically about love. Um, and I want us to, uh, to think for, for just a moment about love. No, not the, the peace, love, you know, tranquil thoughts. You know, we're not, we're, not, we're not going to do any of that, but I just want us to think about love in general, unity and harmony. And I want us to, to think about what the world says about love. Uh, if we take just a small sample of some popular love songs, I, I think this is maybe a good way for us to see what the world might have to say about love. So we have baby love. We have because you loved me. We have what's love got to do with it. We have part-time lover. We have love roller coaster. You've lost that love and feeling, and love is all you need. Right, so we have all of these songs that I, that I, I tried to select a, a cross section. Our our world has a skewed view of love, because the world tends to focus on romantic love, eros in in the Greek, uh, romantic love, and, and it's not something that's focused on in the New Testament or in the Bible in general. We have that set aside for the union of marriage, and it's really that's it. Uh, the rest of the time we're talking about agape and phileo. Uh, agape and phileo are, are the two uh, words that are prominently used in the New Testament in the Greek to talk about types of love. So, so what is agape love? Agape love is an unconditional love that we receive. It's the love that, that God has for us. It, it's not based on condition or any merit of ourselves. It's based upon God's love for us. And then we have phileo love, which phileo love would be the, the, the root word where the Philadelphia comes from, or the city of brotherly love. Uh, so it's a brotherly sort of love, a love that is reciprocal, where there is a relationship between the two, and I love you, and you love me, and it's a, it's a brotherly sort of love. 
So, um, and we look at the New Testament and, and, and really the Bible in, in whole, the love is used a lot. The word love is used a lot. Those, the, primarily those, those, those two words that uh, phileo and agape. So you look at the New Testament, there's 200 plus times that uh, the word love appears. Um, and 300 plus in the Old Testament, depending on which translation you have, it could be a little more, a little less. King James translated love uh, into different words often than, than just using love, so the counts are lower. But uh, in the Bible in general, that's, that's about how many times the word is, love is used. And, and John, as, as a writer and as a book, spends a lot more time talking about love than, uh, than the other books uh, in, in the Bible. So as Christians, we're kind of caught in this world, right, that tells us that love is this one thing. They're, they're, the, the songs that, we, that I mentioned there kind of give us a picture of what love is. Certainly movies and television shows and, and our society in general tries to frame what love looks like. Uh, they've tried to redefine what love is by passing legislation telling us that love isn't what you always thought it was. Love is whoever loves whoever. And they're wrong. Because as Christians, we need to be saying, what does God say? What does his word tell us about love? And as we begin to look into God's word, our understanding of love has to 100% flow from God and from his word. We can't allow the world's definition to creep into ours and in doing so allow us to begin to compromise and agree with the world on their sinful understanding of love. Doing so allows us to adopt heresy and false teaching, and then that becomes okay in the church. And, and Jake just preached about that this morning. We have to guard against that, and the only way for us to be guarded against that is for us to be in the Word and understand what God's Word says. So as we look at love, we want to understand what exactly does God have to say about love? What does Christ have to say about love? And when we begin to get a picture of what they understand about love, how does that affect us? So the, the next uh, large portion of Scripture, or large, uh, if you want to flip to it, is uh, Mark chapter 12. And we'll take a look at verses 28 through 34, where uh, Jesus has an encounter with, um, with a, a scribe, and he's asked, um, he's asked a question that sort of will begin to frame out our understanding of love. So Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You were right in saying that God is one and there is no other, no other but him. To love him with all your heart and all your understanding and all your strength and to love your neighbor as uh, yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far off from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So in this, we, we see uh, the, the teacher or the scribe asking Jesus about the most important commandments, and his two responses had to do with love. First, love God. Second, love others. 
And he said, there is no greater commandment than these. And these should be things that mark the lives of every Christian. Every believer in Christ should love God with all that they have. And then they should love others. So we look at other, other, some other verses that, uh, in, in Scripture that talk about this love. And sometimes the teaching is, is, is very difficult for us. Um, we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, if you, if you read that, is very comprehensive on love. But it says, love is patient and kind. We're told um, in John 14, 15, that if, Christ says, if you love me, obey my commandments. We're told to love our neighbors. And in Matthew 5, the difficult one, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Isn't that an odd concept. Normally it's do unto them before they do unto you, is what the world would tell you. But God is telling us here to even love our enemies. So what is our response? How do we respond to these commands on love? You might say, well, wait a minute. So are we talking about just the Christian response? or are we talk well, What kind of response are we talking about? Well, there are options. We can do what the world has done, you look at Romans one twenty one. it says, Although they knew God, they neither worshipped Him as God or kept His commands. They rejected God's love. And in rejecting God's love, they received condemnation. Our response and the proper response is to respond not in disobedience as the world does when we hear commands to love and we hear uh, God telling us to love our enemies and to love God and love others. We, we, we need to respond in obedience by loving God and loving others and by obeying his commands. Because he, he has told us that if we obey his commands, we will, we will show that we love him and we will show that we are his followers and his disciples. He's told us that in John 14, uh, verse 15. So loving God leads to obedience. As I just said in, in John 14, 15, we're told that if we love God or we love Jesus, then we should obey his commandments. And in doing so, people would know that we were his disciples. Going back to the example that we used at the, at the beginning with the, the, the fake fruit, right? How are people going to know that we love God? We love others. It manifests itself in our love and care for other people, and not just people who we want to love. People, I think, in family are, are, are maybe easy to love, so sometimes not, right? But they should be easy to love. People that uh, love you first are people who a lot of times are easy to love because they've already shown some affection towards you. Your, uh, your church body should be a body that should be easy to love as we all work together to not only serve God but serve people in and amongst this community. But when we get outside of those, when we start talking about people who don't have the best of intentions for you, people who don't care anything about you and could care less about you and have the worst of intentions for you, we're still called to show love to them. And doing that in practice is a challenge. It's a challenge. How do you love someone who is continually negative at your work, your place of employment? How do, how do you continue to love someone who every time you see them, they have something negative to say about a family member or about something that you've done? How do we show them the love of Christ? 
I believe we begin by praying for them. We may not have the words to say, you may not have the right thing to do, but we can always go first to God and begin by praying to God and asking Him for, um, for patience, for love in our response to Him, and pray for a softening of, uh, of the other person's heart. We can begin to um, try, as we have opportunity, to respond with grace instead of responding in like with anger. Uh, which I think is probably a really big first step if you're dealing with someone on a, re- a regular basis is to respond in kindness as, as opposed to responding in, in anger or, re- or responding in, in, uh, in meanness the way that they do. But that response and that loving of other people, people will notice that. They will notice how you respond in those situations. And again, this is not something so that they can say, hey, Gary, I noticed the other day you were really loving towards that person. That's, that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this for God's glory. And we're doing this so that when people see you, rather than them saying, why are you such a good person, they might say, I see something different about you. I've noticed that the way you handled this situation was, was, was really good. Uh, can you explain what your thought process was? Because they're probably not even thinking about the spiritual aspect of it. And that opens an opportunity for you to talk to them and say, well, the reason why I handled it this way is because, in God's word, I'm told to do this. And because I love God and I have a relationship with God, I responded in love in this situation. And again, that's pointing the glory back to God. It's not because you've done anything out of your strength. Loving others, um, so, so loving God leads to obedience to him, and then loving others leads to serving and caring for others. I recently had the uh, great privilege of going on a, on a mission trip to Haiti. Many, many of you uh, knew about that, knew that I was, uh, I was gone. And the entire time I was there, I had one thought in my mind, whatever I am asked to do, I am going to do. I am not going to complain. I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm just going to do whatever needs to be done. I honestly don't, don't care. I'm just going to serve however I can. And I was given ample opportunity to do that. I don't know if any of you ever, ever worked outside doing manual labor in the Caribbean sun, uh, but it is much harder than you would think it is. I worked many years in a cemetery in, in, in South, uh, South uh, Dixie, right there uh, by Gene Snyder at Bethany Memorial Cemetery. I worked outside. I weed-eated when it was 90 degrees out on that big fence row by Gene Snyder. I had no problem working in the heat. I could work eight hours out there and uh, you know, was obviously sweated through everything I had on, but I was fine. It's different when you don't, A, have ample water supply, B, have ample rest, and then you're in an environment where the sun is much hotter. So that attitude of, yes, I will do whatever you need me to do, was a challenge. But I paced myself and, by the grace of God, was able to get through and, and, and really work to serve those people. And I think if we have that same attitude when it comes to dealing with things at work or here at church or at home, which is, I will do whatever I need to do in this situation. Whatever I can do to glorify God is what I'm going to do. I don't have to have a place of prominence. I don't have to have uh, any recognition. I'm just going to get this done because this needs to be done. And to God be the glory. 
I think if we start with that heart and that attitude, I, I think that we will find that we get more done and we get along a lot better as, as family members, as church members, as people at work. Um, and that's, that's not something that I came up with on my own, obviously. That was me just trying to do what I felt God had led us to do, which is, is, is serving those who are in, in need. And these orphans that we saw when we got to work with in Haiti, I don't know anybody who is in more need than them. And it was an honor for me to serve them and to serve them by working uh, long days and uh, in, in circumstances that were less than ideal. But uh, I think as a church, if we, can, if we can look at that and say, God, how can we serve you? How can we serve you best? How can we love others, not only here in the church, but in this community? This community will see that. And they know, and, and there's good things going on. I'm not trying to say that there's, there's not good things going on. But as they see us in the community and as they run into us at, at, at different places and they see us loving other people and serving other people and doing so with a, a loving spirit about us, the question is naturally going to come, who are these people, first of all? Why are you doing this? Um, and... and that is going to open opportunities for us to share the gospel with people, to tell them where we're connected. We're connected with First Baptist Church Fairdale, but ultimately we're connected to Jesus Christ. And we want you to know about Christ as well. We want you to know about our church and how um, our lives have been changed because of the love that God has for us. So as, we, as I close here, I, I just want to kind of reiterate some things that, that, that we've said about love. We, we need to not allow the world to shape our view of love. We need to go to God's word and, and see in his word how we are to love and how we are to serve others. Recognizing first and foremost we are to love God and love God with all that we have. And secondly, we are to love and serve others so that God can be glorified. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we, we thank you for loving us, and we thank you for, uh, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, allowing him to die in our place so that we may be forgiven of our sins, Lord. And we, just, we just thank you for that and praise you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunity to love and serve others, and we pray that we would do so with a cheerful heart, Lord. And we pray that we would give all the honor and glory to you for the things that you do through us. We pray, Lord, that you would, would allow us to, to increase in, in, in the fruits of the Spirit that are displayed in our lives, Lord. And we pray that as we, we use those to serve one another here and to serve our community, Lord, that, that we would um, continually point people to you, seeking to to see the lost come to know you as Lord and Savior and seeking to, to hold you high. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.